friends, Adam here. Welcome to Creative Marketing Magic, a show about the power of creative marketing. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2020 Super Bowl ads. We're going to take a look at the tools these ads use to stand out and make an impression. Now, your business or passion project is likely not operating at Super Bowl level. That's cool. That's cool. These concepts can still be applied to your marketing efforts no matter what the scale you're working on. All right, here we go. Super Bowl ads. Hit it! In a world of increasingly fragmented interests, one event stands as a stronghold of mass media, gathering audiences of all stripes to watch one event once per year. Yes, I'm talking about the Super Bowl! But I'm not talking about the game. I'm here to talk about the best part. The ads. In 2020, a 30-second Super Bowl ad spot will put you back a whopping 5.6 million bucks. Yes, 30 seconds, your ad plays once, and there goes enough money to buy a small island. Why? Because of attention. Oh. In 2019, 98.2 million people watched the big game. And Where else are you going to find that kind of audience? Nowhere! Because football is apparently all that we can agree on. So what does your 5.6 million really buy you? Above your 30-second spot, you also get included into the event unto itself, which is the coverage of the commercials. Whether it's on the evening news, around the water cooler, or on your favorite new podcast, you get an echo of awareness based on your ad's ability to connect with an audience. Did you make people laugh? Did you make them cry? Did you make them think or just weird them right the hell out? That awareness echo can drive people back to your ads or for some folks to view them for the first time. And maybe your ad will be considered one of the best of all time, like Apple's dark 1984 ad for the Mac, Coca-Cola's Mean Joe Green, or Wendy's Where's the Beef ad. So today I'm looking at some of the 2020 Super Bowl ads to see which ones worked and which ones were an enormous waste of money. I'm Adam Machen, and this is Creative Marketing Magic by Maze Key Media. So what makes a good ad? Well, it's some combination of lights and sounds that improve the overall awareness or opinion of a brand. And in order to do this, your ad has to do three things. One. Get the attention of your audience. Two, connect with that audience on some level. And three, stick your brand into the mind of your audience. So since these are Super Bowl ads, safe to assume they've got your attention, at least to a certain degree. So I'm here to focus on the latter two points, connection and stickiness. Connection can happen in many ways, but in general, it boils down to heart, humor, story, and or spectacle. The best ad in the world can still fail, though, if you fail to get your audience to remember your brand. So with heart, humor, story, spectacle, and stickiness in mind, let's take a look at the 2020 Super Bowl ads. Story. Humans love stories. So it's no wonder that incorporating a good story into your ad improves your chances for success. 
So let's take a look at a couple of the Super Bowl ads that use stories this year. Tide. The Charlie Day hashtag laundry later ad. Allow me to give you a crude synopsis of this ad. While watching the big game with his girlfriend, Charlie gets a stain on his shirt. He's all like, ah, now I gotta go wash this. And his girlfriend's like, nah, wait till later because new Tide power pods are all super powerful and such. Then, Charlie embarks on an epic journey through several different ads to get to the fabled later. Okay, so of course I picked this ad to illustrate the power of story because it ran five times, totaling nearly two whole minutes. Okay, so here's what I think this ad does well. It clearly defines our main character and what he wants. Charlie, he's an energetic guy who wants to get to later so he can clean his shirt. I also love that this ad makes a direct and, dare I say, insightful comment about the experience of watching the Super Bowl. That is, that there is no time to do anything. When are you supposed to go to the washroom, let alone do an emergency load of laundry? You can't miss the game. You gotta see the commercials. You can't skip out on the halftime show either. It's just, it's not a great time to get a stain on your shirt. I also love that this ad is meta as hell. The rest of the spots after the intro, save for the last one, take place inside other ads. First we have the Masked Singer, then Bud Light, then Wonder Woman. We, the audience, are repeatedly reminded that this guy is still looking for later. And we feel a sense of anticipation for the ultimate conclusion that must be coming. We have to keep watching to find out how it ends. And when it does, it does so in a funny, albeit quite predictable way. But hey, this isn't Game of Thrones, this is a TV ad. Overall, great job. I really enjoyed this ad series. Now, on the flip side, we have the Planters ad, which tried to tell an epic tale and, in my opinion, failed. The Planters ad takes place at Mr. Peanut's funeral, surrounded by friends and family of which we see notable guests Mr. Clean and the Kool-Aid Man. Then, it rains, and a baby peanut grows slash is born and speaks like a dolphin. What? So the reason this ad missed the mark for me is that it's the second part of a two-part ad series, and I hadn't seen the first part. The first ad featured the death of Mr. Peanut. This ad came out prior to the Super Bowl, essentially stirring up some buzz leading up to the Super Bowl ad. The death ad was also scheduled to run during the Super Bowl pregame, but was pulled because of the recent death of Kobe Bryant. That makes sense, but what doesn't make sense is this ad when you haven't seen part one. Honestly, Even when watching this series in its entirety, it's pretty dumb, and it's pretty much just meant to cash in on the whole Baby Yoda trend. I told you that was a bad idea. Amazon Alexa. This ad stars Ellen and her wife Portia as they imagine what people did before Amazon Alexa. From there, we take a trip through time as we visit people with various friends, servants, or birds named something similar to Alexa. One vignette features Alyssa, a Victorian-era servant, turning the temperature down two degrees by chucking a burning log through a window. Another features Al, playing a tune on his jug for his friend in the Wild West. Another shows Aleximus, a carrier pigeon sent by a princess to get a message to Prince Constantine before being snatched up by a hawk and then devoured by a dragon in what I can only imagine is a completely historically accurate depiction of the Middle Ages. Altogether, each scene helps reinforce the central point that before Alexa, these people's lives sucked. 
The big punchline comes at the end when we return to the present day as Ellen instructs Alexa to play her favorite song, which turns out to be an alternate version of Usher's hit, Yeah, played on a jug. Alexa, play my favorite song. I'm a big fan of this ad. Every vignette is new and entertaining, and with every new scene, we're laying another brick in the wall of Alexa good, no Alexa bad. And yes, Ellen, the power of celebrity, something I haven't yet touched on, but I'm going to say more about that with our next ad. Hyundai Sonata. Smart Park. This ad features Boston natives Rachel Dratch, John Krasinski, and Chris Evans, as well as a surprise guest spot from David Big Poppy Ortiz. This ad relies heavily on one inalienable truth, that the Boston accent is fun and memorable. The Sonata ad starts out when Rachel and Chris bump into each other on the street, remarking at an incredibly tough parking spot. Then John rolls up in his brand new Sonata and announces he's going to park there. He then proceeds to step out of his car and walk towards his friends while the car parks behind him. Rachel exclaims in one of the spot's more memorable moments that it's like a ghost car. This ad is peppered with references to the Boston area that largely went over my head But that doesn't take away from the great chemistry between our leads and the fact that the Boston accent is great and funny. So why do so many ads feature celebrities? Well, when every second counts, springboarding off the social capital of a known person helps tremendously. We all know, love, and trust John Krasinski from his time playing Jim on the long-running American TV show The Office. There is no way you can develop that kind of bond in 60 seconds. But it's not just famous actors that get featured in ads. Sometimes it's the whole damn show or movie. And with that lovely segue, let's talk about Spectacle. More specifically, the Walmart famous visitors spot. This year's Walmart ad wove together numerous characters from familiar science fiction films to showcase their pickup service. It's difficult to appropriately capture the sheer immensity of this ad through verbal description, but I'm going to do my best. And I think the best way to do that is just to list for you all the references they included. Here we go. Toy Story, Men in Black, Blade Runner, Mars Attacks, Star Wars, Looney Tunes, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Arrival, The Lego Movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Avengers. Yeah, that's, that's quite a few. This ad works because these characters don't typically go together. Seeing them all on the same screen is jarring and grabs your attention. Also, spotting all the references gives you a reason to watch closer and or rewatch, as opposed to this year's ad for Hard Rock featuring J-Lo, directed by Michael Bay, which just came off as an utterly forgettable frenzied mess. With so many ads trying to be the biggest, brightest, funniest things you've ever seen, sometimes it's best to take things down a notch and connect on a deeper emotional level by tugging on the heartstrings of your audience. Let's look now at some ads that focused on heart. Google, Loretta. This ad strips away all the bells and whistles in favor of a minimal aesthetic, primarily featuring the Google search box and results. This ad is about an elderly man having a conversation with the Google Assistant so that he will not forget his recently deceased wife, Loretta. Adweek reports that Loretta was nearly twice as likely to make viewers smile. 
almost four times more heartwarming and 12 times more sad than the average U.S. ad. That emotional reaction also seemed to translate to brand impact, leading to the highest brand favorability of any Super Bowl ad this year. Another heartwarming ad this year came from New York Life. New York Life rounded out the top three with its sentimental love takes action spot. This ad narrowly trailed Google for emotional impact, with 47% of viewers reporting an intense emotional reaction to the ad. That emotional impact translated to 46% brand favorability. Now, firstly, I enjoyed both of these ads. It's such a breath of fresh air to watch an ad that takes its time and says something meaningful when the rest of the ads are just screaming at you constantly. However, I had a couple issues with these ads. First, New York Life. Such an incredibly weak connection to the brand. Now, keep in mind, I was watching these ads actively, paying attention to the themes, celebrities, and yes, the brands. But even I missed what company was being promoted here. Which brings me back to the concept of stickiness. Ultimately, as much as we hold up these ads as modern works of art, this isn't the Oscars. These are advertisements, and if the viewer doesn't remember what they should go and buy when the ad's done, then no matter how beautiful the creative, the ad has failed. The Loretta ad. While watching this ad, I couldn't help but expect the Google Assistant to not understand some of the instructions. It's really tough to present a grounded, human, technological interaction, and for me not to cringe waiting for the technology to fail. This ad also walks dangerously close to an area that I doubt Google wants to prompt users to think about, that being Google owning all your information forever and ever and ever, even after you die. So now let's look at the heartwarming ad that I enjoyed the most. The Microsoft Katie Sowers ad. This ad tells the story of Katie Sowers, who made history as the first woman to ever coach in the Super Bowl. This ad, more than any of the others, feels genuine. This is partly due to Microsoft's deep integration with the NFL and partly intangible. It's hard to say exactly why I experienced this ad as more authentic than the Google spot. It may be in part to my inclination to view Google as trending towards evil monopoly and Microsoft trending towards being seen as the good guys. This, of course, is merely conjecture, but it does highlight an important point that ads are not experienced in a vacuum. The world at large impacts how your ads will be received. It may be the case that your brand's reputation twists the intended meaning of your ad, or possibly that the recent shocking death of a notable celebrity makes the seemingly innocuous death of an anthropomorphized peanut man seem in bad taste. Whatever the case may be, there's no tried-and-true way to make a surefire hit ad. And that's why every year we get to experience so many vastly different funny, strange, and heartwarming ads. But hey... Those are just my thoughts. What do you think? Send me an email at adam at mazekeymedia.com or stay in touch on Instagram at mazekey.media. Thanks for listening, friend. Have a great day.